Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host once again, Dan Myler, and once again with me this week is Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Ryan, we are a little deeper into the preseason. That brings us a little closer to fantasy football action. Uh, week three right around the corner. By the time this hits, some of those games will be about ready to kick off. What are you watch, looking for as week three of the preseason uh, gets underway? Just seems like even even a couple weeks in, I guess we could say halfway through the preseason, there are a lot of situations that we're still unsure of. Maybe we have an idea, but I mean, we saw AJ McCarron get hurt, break his collarbone, and then miraculously not break his collarbone so that that went from a done deal for Josh Allen to now uh, back to a a quarterback battle and so many running back situations it, it seems like a lot of these veterans are starting to take hold of of the jobs and and the question become I guess the question goes from who is going to start to how quickly do we see these rookies uh, maybe take over or or do they take over at all yeah and then how does that affect all the position players around them how does it affect the running game and the pass catchers and all that stuff we're going to talk about some of that matt is there something a battle maybe that you're looking towards uh watching here in week three not specifically. There's just so much going on. I'm looking forward to see if, if Chris Carson can continue to play well. You know, we, we've got Rashad Penny with that broken finger. Uh, I know that's a question coming up later in this episode as well. Um, but there's just – I think week three is when we learn a little bit more about what the teams want to do uh, in, in the current season in 2018 here. And then week four, you know, we get to see all of the guys that probably won't be, be making the roster this season. Um, so this is kind of the big week for us coming up. Uh, we're going to learn the most we're going to learn next week, this week, uh, that we're going to learn before the, the start of the season here. Yeah, we get to see some of these superstars playing and, and playing a little bit more than they have or, or some for even the first time. We get to see uh, some of the game planning happens in week three, perhaps see some of these offenses show a little bit of their stripes and a little bit of what we a preview of what we might see when the regular season kicks off. If you've been listening over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing our division preview series. We already covered the East in each conference. We covered the South in each conference 
last week and this week, we're going to take some time to talk about the AFC and NFC West. We'll cover each team and ask a couple dynasty-relevant questions about each of them, get our answers from, from our guys Matt and Ryan. We're going to start in the NFC West this week, fellas. Let's start with the Rams, the best team in that division. Matt, we're going to kick it off talking about some receivers. I know you have a fondness for one of these guys. Which wide receiver has the best per-game average in PPR leagues in 2018? Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, or Cooper Cup? Well, you know I want to say Cooper Cup, but it's it's going to be hard to say that, that Cooks is going to have a lower per-game average. I do think that Cup maybe has a little bit of safer floor week to week, uh, whereas Cooks, you might get some of those. I mean, not that Cook, Cook, not that with Cup you won't get those like two for 30 games either, but Cooks, it seems like those guys are, those kind of games are peppered in just based on his play style there. So uh, I'll still go with Cooks, but but I don't think Cup is going to be too far off. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the receivers there in Los Angeles? Yeah, I echo a lot of what uh, what Matt said there. Cooks is, to me, the most talented receiver on the team. Um, he, he is that type of receiver that can sometimes rely on the big play or, or maybe a long touchdown, something like that, uh, for his fantasy scoring. And, and because of that, I, I also agree that Cup and, and maybe even Woods as well are safer in a, in a typical week, but I do think... Uh, by the end of the season, Cooks puts up the most points, giving him the the highest per game average. Uh, I was I wanted to look at at some of Jared Goff's numbers because I don't necessarily think of him as a as a strong deep ball thrower, uh, and, and we know Sammy Watkins, who who a lot like Cups. I'm sorry, a lot like uh, Cooks sometimes relies on that big play, and we know he didn't have a very strong season last year, but. Uh, Jared Goff had 57 plays uh, uh, gaining 20 yards or more, and the the league average is just 28, so he doubled that up, and if you expand that to 30-yard gains, he had 24 30-yard gains uh, through the air. The league average is just 10, so he's uh, more than double the league average in, in both of those deep ball categories, which I think bodes obviously really well for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I think it does too, and I probably lean towards Cooks as well. But I think you guys are are overlooking Robert Woods a little bit. He he was pretty impressive a year ago, uh, especially late in the season. Had a couple of multi touchdown games. Uh, had the big game in the wild card as well. It seems like he and Goff really established a connection, and I expect that to continue. I'm not sure if he's going to be the main red zone threat of this group, or if there will be one. It seems like it, it's going to be spread out just a little bit. But but if I had to bet on it, I would guess Woods would catch the most touchdowns among them, even though he just caught five a year ago in the 12 games that he played. Uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that things are spread out pretty evenly. And that gives, that gives Woods at least a fighting chance. He's a guy I want on my dynasty rosters for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not overlooking him at all. Which brings us to the running game. With the Rams, Ryan, what do you think of Todd Gurley? Can he equal his 2017 fantasy output this season? That's that's obviously asking a lot. He scored 383 fantasy points in PPR leagues last year. In NFL history, that was the 18th best PPR season from a running back. Um, I, I believe it was the second best PPR season since 2010. Uh, second only to David Johnson in 2016. So, I mean, we have 
to lean towards no, that he won't repeat that. Um, they, they add Brandon Cooks, who I do think is uh, an upgrade to the receivers, uh, the receiving unit as a whole. And um, even with that, uh, you know, that one change, I, I think that might be enough. Or, or maybe it's maybe it's the addition of John Kelly. You know, maybe the rookie steals just enough carries to uh, turn that 25 point per game uh, average down to 23, 24. 22, whatever it might be, but it's hard to imagine him repeating that performance this year. I I feel the same way. He had six multi-touchdown games last year, and you know, those don't come very, all of us fantasy owners know that if you have a guy in your lineup with with multiple touchdowns in a game, you have a really good chance of winning. So we know how often that happens. It doesn't seem like it happens a lot, and for one guy to do it six times in a season, that's the kind of stuff that Ladanian Tomlinson owners were used to having and, and, you know, only truly elite players. And, and obviously Todd Gurley can be, be that and, and showed that a year ago, but to do it in back-to-back season is so difficult. Matt, what are your thoughts on it? Does Ryan and I both feel like it's unlikely. Uh, can you, can you turn the tide for us? No, no, I'm definitely on you guys' side. And Ryan alluded to a little bit of it. I think that John Kelly is going to be a presence there. You know, I, I would consider him maybe the second best uh, receiving back, maybe the third best receiving back in this entire class. Uh, Todd Gurley had 64 receptions on 84 targets last season, so I think that probably comes down. He proved he can do it, but, you know, should they do it to preserve him as, as long as they can deep into the season, you know? And then Jared Goff, uh, you know, we, we, we saw him kind of break out last season, but also it still felt a little bit – I know Ryan just talked about his deep ball, uh, and that was unexpected numbers for me, but I, I kind of feel like also – so they, they not, not that they hit him, but, you know, they kind of opened up the playbook more as the season went along. And that's going to be a continuing process into 2018 where that passing game opens up. So um, I think there's just a couple of different things there going against Gurley. But, you know, he's still he's still a lock for 20 plus points a game. So I don't think we can really hold that against him if he doesn't, you know, mirror what he did last season. Yeah, none of us are going to be surprised if he puts up another top five running back season. In fact, we all expect it, uh, to be honest. So let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers, fellas. Uh, An up-and-coming team, and a lot of that has to do with the quarterback change with Jimmy Garoppolo now under center and the finish that they had a year ago. Matt, a lot of people have high hopes for this 49ers offense and, and for Jimmy G specifically. Where do you think Garoppolo finishes among fantasy quarterbacks in 2018? I was looking at this question and I couldn't put him any higher than about 12 and I'd be more comfortable at 13. So just to run off the names real quick, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, and Philip Rivers, who I have currently ahead of of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo right now. So, oh, and, and Patrick Mahomes, sorry. So I guess that puts him at 14. So somewhere in that, like, fringe quarterback one area, you know, not not too deep into the quarterback two. So he's going to have a good season, but I don't think he's going to have, you know, a, a top eight season like like we've been, been projecting him to do, at least in terms of what we've been doing with ADP and Jimmy Garoppolo over the last couple of months. So I, I have him in that kind of late fringe quarterback one, quarterback two, high quarterback two range. Yeah, Garoppolo currently at quarterback seven in our uh, ADP. That's that's a high price to pay for a guy that's going to finish in as the 12th, 13th, or 14th quarterback, according to Matt Price. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Where does he end the 2018 campaign? 
I think that's that's in the right range. I agree with most of those names that Matt listed. Matt, did you include Tom Brady in that? I did. I, I think I think I did. If okay. I didn't, he was fourth. Okay. All right. I, I might have missed him. Um, of course, he's he's farther down the list in ADP. So sometimes we we overlook the old guy. But um, yeah, it's just hard to put Garoppolo really any higher than that upper quarterback two range. Uh, And, and I do, I know we've talked about it a lot on here, but the value is a a little bit out of whack. I mean, he's, he's still certainly a young quarterback, but if you talk, if you think about the names who people have called overvalued based on our ADP all off season, it's Garoppolo and Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. The difference to me is Mahomes and Watson are both 22 years old and, and have a ton of weapons around them. Garoppolo, I mean, we we think we like Jarek McKinnon, but we don't really know. He's already hurt. In fact, his top three running backs are hurt right now. He does get Pierre Garçon back, and, and they've added uh, a couple of rookies who look to be solid assets. But, I mean, when you compare the weapons he's going to have, especially at, at receiver, to some of these other quarterbacks in the, in the top five or 10, it's, it's really not even close. Uh, I think interceptions uh, continue to be a concern with Garoppolo. So if you're in, uh, in a league that knocks down those, which of course is most of them, then he's, he's going to be in that quarterback two range. I think a lot of us are as dynasty owners are pointing to the success that the 49ers had a year ago at the end of the season when, when Garoppolo came in in week 12 and then finished the season so strong. But that had a lot more to do with the 49ers' success than it did Garoppolo's individually. Yes, Jimmy played good in those games. Uh, he had a few 300-yard games or at least a couple 300-yard games and, and a couple more in the 290 range. But like you mentioned there, Ryan, he was still throwing those interceptions. It's not like he was lighting the world on fire from a points-per-game uh, standpoint, although he had some nice finishes, he he it wasn't they weren't top five finishes. He wasn't throwing three touchdowns and and putting up three hundred yards and and all those things that we look for as fantasy owners. So I, I caution some dynasty owners to transfer that that success for the team, the 49ers' success, into directly into Jimmy Garoppolo being that that elite fantasy asset because it's just not quite there yet until we see it on the field and, and see it in print with your with your fantasy rosters and, and, and the points that he can score for you on Sundays. Let's move to that running back that you just talked about, Ryan. Jarek McKinnon, the injury that you talked about, it's concerning, but all the news points to him being back sooner rather than later. What do you think McKinnon's upside is in PPR in 2018? So I think we we know what uh, the big pro here is, the big draw to McKinnon, and it is Kyle Shanahan. He's in his ten year coaching career, uh, both as a head coach and an offensive coordinator. He's had five top eight running backs, uh, top eight fantasy running backs. He's had three others who were in that top twenty four range. Uh, of course, a, a big chunk of that coming from Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman during his time in Atlanta. The the tough thing there is McKinnon's not getting all that work. And I've seen people try to say that McKinnon is the Freeman role and Matt Breda is the, is the Tevin Coleman role. I don't think it's that easy. I don't think either of these guys is as talented 
as Devontae Freeman. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure if either one of them are as talented as, Te- as Tevin Coleman. So I think we'll see more of a, uh, more of an even split if both are healthy. And, and of course that is a question mark right now. So I, I think the, the hype and, and really the hype's died down over the past couple months, but the hype that we saw in April, May, June was, was a little out of hand for McKinnon. Yeah, it's really unique, the situation that we're seeing in San Francisco with these tailbacks. McKinnon, Breda, and Jill Williams are all out for the rest of the preseason, so we're not going to see these guys on the field. Now they sign Alfred Morris, and Raheem Mostert is taking all the carries in, in preseason games, and it like there isn't any light to be shined on this backfield for us, Matt. Uh, until week one rolls around. Uh, some of that news might be good news for Jarek McKinnon. It might mean he's on the field more if Breda and Williams are out for a long time. There's even word that Williams might go on IR. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Do you think McKinnon can just grab hold of that number one role and stay on the field enough to put up elite fantasy numbers? I think it's going to come back to health like it just always seems to seems to be with him. You know, just because Shanahan wants him to be Devonta Freeman, that doesn't mean he can be. I think we we still underrate Devonta Freeman um, in terms of his upside for this year. I think it's just it's tough because I think we put him after that tier that we feel really good about. I think we have about thirteen running backs right now that we feel really good about, and then it feel, feel kind of falls off a cliff after you get past. Um, you know, the top four guys and then Saquon, Melvin Gordon, Hunt, Cook, McCaffrey, Fournette, Freeman. And then, you know, where do you go after Freeman? It just feels like that's where we slot him in right now. And that's that's kind of what I've done, too, because after him, you've got Drake and, and Collins and Ajayi and Howard. I guess, I guess depending on how you feel about Mixon's breakout this year, you know, you can pump him up there, too. But once you get to that 14 kind of range, like McKinnon just feels like the next guy to me. So. Um, that that's where I see his upside, like late running back one at at the at the at the best. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what you say there. I, I tell you what, this I, it's become so murky there with this entire situation, all the injuries, and, and now Morris being there. Uh, Morris is a guy I'm throwing on the end of end of rosters. His his uh, affinity and and his uh, history with that coaching staff and Kyle Shanahan makes me feel like. If there are, if these injuries do linger into the regular season, Shanahan could go to the guy that he is used to using and knows knows, knows will uh, run his system properly. Um, so Morris is worth a roster spot, especially in deeper leagues at this point. With that, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks, guys. Ryan, uh, this running back situation is another one that, that's filled with injury and intrigue. Uh, Rashad Penny is the is the young rookie and and the high draft pick and all that stuff. Chris Carson had the nice season a year ago, but, but had the injuries. Now we keep hearing this coaching staff talking about both of them and how great they are. And I can't, I cannot believe a word that any of anybody says out of Seattle. I want to see it on the field. And we just haven't seen it because of Penny's injury. Which of these two running backs, Penny and Carson, do you think ends up with more PPR points in 2018? I guess first of all, I'm I'm not sure there is a lot of intrigue here because under this coaching staff since Marshawn Lynch left, it's been really ugly. I, I saw this uh, or looked this up the other day and shared this on Twitter. 
The Seattle Seahawks haven't had a top 30 fantasy running back in the past three years. They're the only team in the NFL that have, have failed to produce a top 30 running back uh, in, the, in that three-year span. And now we've got this combination of um, injury and, uh, and a camp battle, a potential running back by committee. They may go another year without a top 30 running back. Um, I don't really want either one of these guys on, on my roster right now if we're talking short term, if we, if we are talking about a redraft league. Obviously, Penny is still the one I want in Dynasty. I ask, uh, ask a question on Twitter recently, just a very simply simple, which running back of these two scores more points over the next two seasons? And it was not close. It was Rashad Penny um, in, in a runaway. So people, I guess, over the long term are still believing in him, whether it's because of talent or draft capital or whatever the situation might be. Um, they're, they're still siding with Penny. I would still side with Penny as far as scoring for, for just this season. But with the injury and, and the inability to beat out Carson in, in camp, it's, it's a concern. Yeah, it's a big concern for me. I, I've never been a big Rashad Penny fan, and with you know we we started seeing the injuries and going down with these other running backs. I, I slowly started to move him up my rookie rankings, and I feel dirty for doing it. It doesn't seem right. Uh, I, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I'm slowly moving him back down to where I had him before because I I just don't feel good about the situation, and certainly have questions when it comes to the player. Matt, I know you've had those same kind of questions. Are you leaning towards Carson or Penny for this season? You know, I, it's not no secret that I have not been a Penny fan throughout the whole draft process. Um, but I think you still have to go with him here. I think it's going to be close, though. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a timeshare no matter what. I don't think they're going to necessarily give one of these guys the ball or I don't, or, or the other scenario is that neither of them are healthy at the same time, you know? Um, but I do kind of, I do kind of hate the, the draft capital argument just in this particular case. I, I think, I think draft capital for the most part, that's you want, you want to follow that. But if there's a team that, that relies on competition more than any other team in the NFL. I think you have to say it's the Seahawks. We saw it with, with Russell Wilson after they after they uh, they drafted him later in the in the in the in that draft class and had just signed Matt Flynn to like ten million dollar contract or whatever it was, and then they just Russell Wilson outplayed him and they played him. And I think that that's happened throughout the positions, you know, through their heyday with 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 uh, Richard Sherman and all those guys. So. I don't want to say that Carson could outproduce him, but I think it is possible. So um, he, he runs tougher, I think, than Penny does for, for a big back. You know, Penny is two, 220 pounds. Uh, he seems more of a finesse player to me. He doesn't really like to, to, to initiate that contact. And Carson does, and that's the kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, football that, that Seattle seems to want to play, at least historically. So um, I'm, not, I'm not riding him off at all, but I do think Penny probably edges it out just enough if he can, he can get healthy. So I'll take Penny, but it's, it's, it's not confident at all. I think this one is obviously a tough situation, and, and all of us are kind of on record as not really major supporters of Penny throughout this uh, early part of his rookie season. But if you were a Penny fan, if you were a Penny believer throughout the draft, throughout training camp, do you think what we've seen so far is enough to cause you concern or would you be sticking by him? I mean, if he was your, if he was your 1.02, would you, would you be adjusting that? Do you think, or is that just too hard to 
to put that hat on. I don't think I don't think that people that really like him are. I think they're just not. I don't want to say blinders because that's a little bit derogatory, I guess. But that's kind of what it feels like with the people that I I've talked to who really do like Penny. So for me, I, I think it would, but I, I don't think it, that's the case. I think the people that have Penny really like him. But if you do really like Penny and you know you haven't been able to acquire him, then then I think obviously this is a buying situation for him. I, I think there's just a lack of a pivot. If you were a Penny believer. Geist is hurt too, and and there's Ronald Jones isn't doing anything. You know, it, there, there's just such a mess at that second pick that unless you're uh you were tied between Penny and Nick Chubb as the number two, and and Chubb doing a little bit of something might push you over the top. There's just not a pivot to go to. I think the guys that have, that I've seen really moving up, and it, it's kind of a surprise, and and. I'm not on board with this yet, but I, I I get it at least. We've seen both Carryon Johnson and Royce Freeman going as high as 1.02 in different late rookie drafts. Crazy, it, John. It's Royce Crazy Freeman, man. I, I I've been saying he was my 1.04 forever. I he's still there. He might be even three now if uh, if we're going to still have Chubb at two and, and we're going to move guys out of there. So I, I like I like that for Royce Freeman. I know we're going to talk about him in a bit, so I'll, I'll save it. Yeah. Th- that's a totally different conversation. Uh, if we want to talk about late rookie drafts, it, it is a mess for sure. I'm, I'm still, I, if it's a true dynasty, I still like Geis as the two. And if I'm moving anybody over the rest of them, I it's going to be these wide receivers. So, man, that's that's a podcast for another day, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk about some Seattle wide receivers, guys. Uh, we all know about Doug Baldwin, and, and he's going to get peppered with targets, and, and all of us like his upside especially in 2018 is there another receiver in seattle matt that you could see uh making making a splash is there a guy that you want on your bench on a contender for 2018 of these seattle receivers i mean no one i'm I'm really seeking out i was you know picking up free shares of marshall here and there with with baldwin being hurt but it sounds like he's getting healthy so i don't really feel like that's going to be anything lockett has been somebody we've we've liked for a while but has never really been able to put it together jerron brown has has flashed in 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 arizona you know a number of times but uh not not really i'm not seeking any of these guys out i just i want baldwin if he's healthy and, and that's really kind of it i guess lockett is like a dart throw into the bench kind of guy and if baldwin isn't really healthy then then maybe marshall does stick but i'm not even confident he's going to make the roster at this point so uh, I'm, I'm just going to say no once again it's that coaching staff with brian schottenheimer and pete carroll just raving about the the veteran brandon marshall how he's the old brandon marshall it's so hard to believe. I got to see it on the field. I like you, Matt. I'm buying those shares when they're free, but it's hard to pay anything. Ryan, can you shed some light on this? Is there somebody you want out of this receiver core? No, not really. I, I wish I could. Uh, I mean, of these guys, Lockett, Marshall, Jerron Brown, it, it would still be Lockett that I would would prefer to have. Of course, he's the uh, he's the one of these three and, and really of the entire wide receiver core outside of um, outside of Baldwin that that does still cost something. You're not going to get him for free or off the waiver wire and in most dynasty leagues. Um, and I'm, I, I don't even like him enough. I'm not even confident in, in that pick enough to be going out and buying him. Uh, mostly I'm just staying away from this situation. I think 
like like most people, we'll see a lot of Russ, a lot of Baldwin, uh, and and everybody else. I don't want any part of. I kind of was I was hoping that Darbo would would show something this preseason, but it just it hasn't hasn't really done anything for us. So, well, he is. I mean, I would rather have him over over Marshall and Brown if we're talking last bench spot, um, somebody to take a chance on, and he's another guy that's that's pretty pretty much free still. I think this list of receivers screams guys to to fill a deep the end of the bench on a best ball team. Lockett can get deep. Brandon Marshall might show a little bit of touchdown upside red zone target for for that offense, but not guys in in a in a dynasty, a straight dynasty, it's di- going to be difficult to keep these guys on your roster cuz we're ju- it's just going to be impossible to know if any of them will produce for us even in the short term. Let's go on to the Arizona Cardinals, guys. A lot, lot of uh, lot of questions surrounding this team. Um, Ryan, let's start with you. The easy question, maybe not so easy, but where do you think David Johnson finishes among running backs in PPR in 2018? I think he finishes as the RB1 overall. Nice. Um, and if I'm in a redraft league, I'm, I'm not in too many of them. But if I'm in a redraft league with a 101, that's who I'm taking over Gurley, over Bell, over AB. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be much of this offense outside of he and and Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I, and I think he'll just he'll just see as many touches as he can handle. He's gone on record uh, uh, with the goal of having the the thousand thousand season, which we've seen a couple times before, um, and, and of course is very rare. Uh, I don't know if he can do that or I don't know if he will do that. I know he can do that though. Matt, are you going as high as the top overall running back? Yeah, I think it's uh for me right now, it's a coin flip between him and Zeke just for Zeke, it's just, just sheer workload, you know? Um, but I think Johnson has, has, has the best chance to do it. So yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. I'm, I agree with Ryan. I'm on board as well. Uh, the thing, the difference between Zeke and Johnson is Johnson has Larry Fitzgerald to keep defenses honest and, and the Cowboys don't have anything close to that. So, uh, and, and both of neither have, have that running back behind them. That's going to push for a lot of touches. You can say what you want about liking chase Edmonds. I'm, I'm certainly on that train. He's not going to take touches away from David Johnson, uh, especially in his rookie season. Let's move on to those pass catchers in Arizona guys, Matt, who else besides Larry Fitzgerald and Johnson makes a fantasy splash this season for the Cardinals if you had to pick one? If I have to pick one, I mean, I think you have to say Christian Kirk. I mean, I, he, I was worried about him earlier in the, in the offseason when there really wasn't any news except for him, what was it, throwing golf balls at police cars or whatever. Um, but he had a nice game in, in, in week two of the preseason, so he's back on the radar um, I think he's going he's, he's, he's to start. You know, Fitzgerald's going to occupy that slot, and that's probably Kirk's best area. But he's been on record numerous times saying he wants to play outside. So it seems like they're going to let him do that for at least, at least some percentage of the time. Uh, you know, Bryce Butler has always flashed. I've been interested in him here and there, but I don't, I don't really know uh, if he's going to be the answer there as the, the other outside receiver. Chad Williams had a really nice game this week, too. Uh, showed some nice physicality on plays. And then Ricky Sills-Jones, uh, you know, a new quarterback in town. Sam Bradford knows how to use the tight end. I think Rosen can use the tight end. He's, he's maybe out, outside of Fitzgerald 
Yeah, and, and Kirk, you know, the most athletic player on the field. So uh, I have hopes for him, too, if we're going to include tight ends in this. I think for me, I'm, I'm going to go completely different from everything that Matt said. And I'm going to say <laughs> in, in, in super flex, I think Sam Bradford, again, if he can stay healthy, I think he holds on to that job for a majority, if not all, of the season and is productive enough. He's been that in the past that he becomes a asset to two quarterback and super flex owners. And and maybe that's not that's saying something without saying anything. I really don't feel like Kirk is going to make a big splash. I don't think Bryce Butler has what it takes to to get into starting lineups for dynasty owners. Uh Ricky Seals Jones certainly has some upside, but I I'm not ready to even make him a big player in two tight end leagues. Uh, nice asset, but but the most likely to do anything for me is Sam Bradford. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, you you almost swayed me with that talk, but um, I'm I'm still going back to Christian Kirk. Uh, as Matt said, to me, he clearly has the highest upside, uh, both short term and long term, of these players and. And that's not really a knock because outside of Bryce Butler, who um, just kind of played himself when he was when he was with Dallas, threatening to to leave if they didn't give him a starting job, and and now here he is battling a rookie and and injured. So, um, but outside of Butler, I really want all of these guys on my dynasty team. I, I like Chad Williams uh, as as that deep flyer and. Ricky Seals-Jones, Christian Kirk, those are both guys I, I believe in long-term, and I think we could start seeing something from them in 2018. But as I said, and, and as everyone would say, it's Johnson and Fitzgerald for this year. Okay, so before we take a break, fellas, I got to know from you, Matt, who wins the NFC West in 2018? It seems like picking anyone other than the Rams is, is, kind, is kind of foolish, so I'm just going to go with the Rams here. Maybe the Cardinals can give them a run, but uh, I, I'm not counting on it. I think if there's a team that I would think that could give the Rams a run, it'd probably be the 49ers, but I'm, I'm not counting out the Seattle Seahawks just yet. Uh, I don't expect any of them to win the division over the Rams, however. Matt, or excuse me, Ryan, are you taking anybody other than Los Angeles? I can't go away from the Rams either, and, and I do agree. I think San Francisco would be my second choice. I think this Arizona team is going to be bad this year, like at below 500, I think. There's a very good chance they're they're really bad, but that's good for dynasty owners that have Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, though. <laughs> Could be, yes. Uh, one last question. Ryan, NFC West Fantasy MVP. Too easy of a question to answer well we had the discussion last week if if we're just picking the the best player i don't know if we're just picking the best player but um there's there's some really nice options here with uh two of the top running backs in the nfl in the same uh the same division so since i already mentioned david johnson as the uh top overall running back uh, in 2018 at least in my prediction and since his his dynasty value is actually lower than Todd Gurley, uh, which which gives him at least a little bit of value there. I'll go with David Johnson. Matt? It's Cooper Cup. No, I'm just kidding. It's David Johnson. <laughs> it's, just, it's David Johnson. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I'm going to go with Johnson as well. But I, I love Gurley. It's hard, hard not to pick him. 
with that, let's take a quick break, and we will be back with our preview of the AFC West. Hey there, this is Tom Kislingberry of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? I'm sure you've watched Kevin Costner in Draft Day this week. I know I have. Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager, Kevin Costner. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel like Kevin Costner and features a revolutionary free agency auction room which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts, just like Kevin Costner. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, just like Kevin Costner did, multi-team trades, just like Kevin Costner did, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, much, much, much more. So test your general manager skills, just like Kevin Costner, for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. And if you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10 and receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Just like Kevin Costner. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty podcast. I'm Dan. We also have Ryan and Matt here. We're going to cover the AFC West next, and we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, first question. Will Patrick Mahomes be effective enough to support Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey being top scorers at their positions like Alex Smith did? I, I've, I've been on record saying this. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen again. I don't think all of those guys are going to be, you know, are going to be wide receiver ones and, and tight end ones again this season. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say no because we're going to talk about Watkins in a second, but I think he's going to, going to spoil their party a little bit. Yeah, Watkins now in town. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in Watkins, Ryan. I, I never really have been. Is he enough to take away from these guys that Patrick Mahomes spreads it out so much that they can't all put up the same type of numbers that we're accustomed to? Uh, it's it, it's really hard to see these guys repeating this production. I, um, I talked about this. I, I believe I talked about this with the Giants that uh, we've seen – 99 times in NFL history, a team with a top 12 score at running back, at tight end, and at wide receiver. Uh, one of those times, of course, was last year with the Chiefs, and they also had the top 12 score at quarterback. It's hard right now to put Mahomes in that top 12, and uh, as much as I hate to say this, especially in Matt's presence, I think if if one guy is not going to be in the top 12, the most likely uh, candidate is Tyreek Hill. Mm, that had to be painful, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it, it hurt. But just the volume of wide receivers, obviously, uh, the addition of Sammy Watkins, um, I, I'm an, another player that I'm a big fan of. I, I have said I don't think that Watkins will necessarily hurt uh, Hill's production, but um, repeating top 12 wide receiver performances. We, you know, we've done those shows earlier in the off season. That's not something that's, that's easily done. Um, we, we have to think Kelsey is, is a lock for being a top 12 tight end and just comparing running back versus versus wide receiver. I would say hunt has a better chance to reproduce than Hill this year. 
Yeah, barring injury, I, I, I agree with that to, for the most part. There's just not enough talent in in that Kansas City backfield outside of Hunt that, that they're going to suddenly start giving giving touches to anybody else. Speaking of Kareem Hunt, where do we think he finishes 2018, Ryan, among PPR running backs? Everybody talks about regression with him, and, and that's fair to expect, uh, given especially those two huge games he had. And uh, uh, if his scoring is balanced out a little bit more, I'm, uh, I think low end wide, I'm sorry, low end running back one or high end running back two is, is a fair spot to project hunt. Matt, do you concur? Yeah, I think somewhere in that eight to, I guess you can go as deep as 15. I think it's going to be higher than that. Maybe like eight to eight to 14, eight to 13, something like that is, is fair. Uh, I am of the, the belief that where will have, more to say about this backfield than than we might think at this point in the off season. I, I always like that guy, and I, I think he's probably going to take something away from him. We forget how good he was, you know, just two years ago when when he was healthy and he was doing basically what Kareem Hunt, Hunt did last year on a per game basis. So um, uh, it, it's tough to see him fall out of that you know high running back two tier though. So I'll, I'll say fringe running back one. I feel like fringe running back one seems about right, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a low-end running back two or or if he cracked that top six among running backs. Uh, there, That's a big question mark for me, the, the whole Spencer Ware situation and how he's going to find a role and what that role exactly will be. If it's, if it's larger than most assume... It wouldn't be surprised if he slipped into that wide receiver two, com- or excuse me, running back two conversation, and maybe even farther down the list than a lot of Hunt owners would prefer. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers, Matt. One of my favorite wide receivers to come out in the last couple of years is Mike Williams, but I'm angry about how he's being used in the preseason. He's playing almost exclusively with the second team offense. Are you concerned about his long-term upside considering that usage? I've I've always been concerned about his long-term upside since the day he was drafted really. So I I I think that he made some plays in this week 2 preseason. Of course that spectacular touchdown catch that shows what he can do with with enough volume and perhaps it, it really is him that is going to fill the void at, at tight end there. Doesn't seem like they they really want to go after Gates like it's been projected all offseason. Hunter Henry of course is down, Virgil Green is nothing and if he's going to be that big red zone weapon, I think that's kind of his best role. So if he can you know, put up big touchdown numbers. I think we're going to see uh, uh, um, what what they really think of him in this third preseason game. Maybe, you know, maybe he cracks that starting lineup this this uh, game above Tyrell Williams, which just hasn't happened yet. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not buying him. I'm not selling him. I don't, I don't. He's just kind of in limbo for me. I, I want to see more, uh, but I'm not I'm not optimistic about him. I know you are way more optimistic than I am about him, Dan. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Williams? That that touchdown catch in this Chargers' second preseason game was pretty impressive. Uh, spectacular grab going over the defensive back. Of course, like I said, against that second and third string defense. Man, I'm I shed some light here. Tell me what I'm missing. Why is Mike Williams so far down on the depth chart, and should I still be as high on him as I have been in the past? I don't really get it either. I, I think it's fair to be concerned for sure. Um, we we know that basically Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, a- any other wide receiver you want to discuss there is capped at uh, at wide receiver two on on that roster with Keenan Allen uh, holding down that top spot. And 
uh, barring an injury, nobody, I don't think, is going to outproduce him in the next two or three or four years. So that's that's already a knock against him. And and then with this playing with the second team, uh, being being outplayed, I guess we can say, by Tyrell Williams, uh, based on the depth chart, it's fair to be to be concerned. And then also just throughout the offseason, I know a couple of people um, that I follow and, and trust their thoughts on on players have kind of shown some some doubt and some concern about Mike Williams as well, which uh, that alone is enough for me to at least question his value. Yeah, the thing I liked so much about Mike Williams coming out of Clemson was that ability to high point the football, to go over the top, and become that red zone threat. And there's been news of that, you know, talk of that all offseason, how he's going to take over that role. Like you mentioned, Matt, potentially take over that, that red zone threat role that Antonio Gates left behind. I still believe it's going to happen. I believe he's going to be the the number three producer in that offense, which leads us to our second question about the Chargers. Ryan, who do you think the third producer out of this office offense is going to be behind Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen? Is it Mike Williams, Terrell Williams, Travis Benjamin, somebody else, nobody at all? Who are you counting on? I still think we have to consider Mike Williams the favorite. Uh, Tyrell Williams is, you know, had a nice splash a couple years ago and, and really was quiet last year. Um, just as, just as Mike was a little disappointing, um, during his rookie season as well. So maybe it is nobody like, like it basically was last year, but I, I do think Mike still has to be considered the favorite. Matt? You're not a huge Mike Williams supporter. Is there somebody else you can support in this offense? No, I think it, I think it probably has to be him. But what I really think is going to happen is just that Keenan Allen is going to get, <laughs> you know, a million targets and touchdowns. Um, from a dynasty perspective, this is, this is not going to be a thing this year, I'm sure. But I do like what I've seen out of Dylan Cantrell. Maybe he can emerge as a, as a guy in, in a year or two for the Chargers. Okay, so go get a share of Dylan Cantrell then if you're listening <laughs> to, the, to the pod. Uh, you should. Let's you move should. on with that to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, lots of lots of changes in Oakland, Matt, uh, with, with that coaching staff being turned over and John Gruden liking all these veterans. It seems like there's the potential for one of these vets to make an impact for dynasty owners, specifically contenders looking for that guy that they can stick into a wide receiver three or, or a flex role. Which of these Raiders veterans are you looking at on your teams that are contending? It could be Jordy Nelson, Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin, Jared Cook, Martavis Bryant is a new face in Oakland. Maybe somebody else. Who, who are you looking at in Oakland? Not really any of them, honestly. I'm still hashtag team Jordy. So I, I think that he, he still has something left there, but I mean, I'm not going to pay really anything for him. Marshawn Lynch, I think can fill in, you know, he's going to have running back two weeks, um, but not really any of these past cases. I guess Jared Cook is, is an exciting, you know, end of the bench tight end if you've missed on everybody else. But, but really for me, it's just Amari out of these receivers. Hmm. Matt just called Jared Cook exciting. <laughs> 
Ryan. <laughs> well, I mean, do you find Jared Cook to be exciting? His offense can be. No, I don't. I don't find any of the these old Raiders to be exciting. Uh, Martavis Bryant isn't quite old, but he's uh, he he's not quite right as at least as far as John Gruden's concerned either. Uh, he certainly hasn't been impressive, if we're to believe reports. Uh, I, I I guess based on age, he would be the one I would want on my dynasty roster long term. You mentioned a contender. I don't know. I don't. I'm not comfortable starting any of these guys. So, on a contender, I don't necessarily want any of them. Yeah, I'm. I'm having a hard time choosing anybody either. I have shares of Jordy Nelson and wish I could say Jordy's name because because of my ties to to my Packer fandom. Uh, it seems like Marshawn Lynch is in line for some touches, but I don't know if that's going to be enough. Jared Cook is pretty much free still and could put up another tight end 12 seasons. So I guess if I had to lean one way or the other, it's the current tight end 28 among ADP, and that's Jared Cook. But, <laughs> Matt, I'm certainly not excited about it, that's for sure. Uh, with that, let's talk about uh, a young player on the Oakland Raiders roster, Matt I guess he's turning into your guy. Uh, Chris Warren. What do you think of of Chris Warren and his upside in Oakland? Is he even going to make the team? I know he had that big game in the preseason, but lots of names ahead of him. What do you you think of his long-term upside? I I do think he's going to make the roster. I think he's going to be the fourth guy. I think they're going to keep one of uh, Jalen Richard or or, uh, DeAndre Washington, and I think it's probably going to be Richard. I think he's shown a little bit more explosiveness than than Washington has. Both of them are are decent receivers, but Richard probably a little bit more. Um, And they don't really have that – guy out of their top two of Marshawn and, and Doug Martin there. So I think if there's a, if there's a, again, if there's a team that wants to play this like hard nose smash mouth defense is old school or sorry, running game. Um, that's, that's John Gruden and the Raiders. Right. So I think Warren fits in there. Six two, two hundred 250 pounds. He's, he's kind of built like a linebacker and I could see him stealing five or six touchdowns from, uh, from Marshawn or Doug Martin, whoever emerges as that, that one this year right now is Lynch, but you know, both of those guys are old and, and could certainly get hurt at some point. So maybe we're looking at, uh, if both those guys guys go down, maybe we're looking at Chris Warren and Jalen Richard leading this Oakland Raiders backfield. Ryan, is Warren going to make the team? Is he, <laughs> is he on on any of your rosters? Are you adding no, him anywhere? No, no, no. He's the Matt Waldman okay, so guy. Come on, guys. I'm, there's something. I'm not there. adding something him. There. I haven't been adding him. I haven't really thought twice about him. But I do think Matt makes a great point that. He is the type of running back that Gruden wants to use based on what we know. And when we look at this backfield, we think Marshawn Lynch is obviously near the end of his career. Doug Martin is as well. And and Richard and and Washington have been nice role players for Oakland during their uh, two or three years there. But um, even when they got the chance to be the lead backs or at least the lead duo kind of sharing that role they were never standouts all of that tells me maybe a guy like warren can come in and and steal uh, a significant role so maybe maybe matt has convinced me on this guy warren was a big recruit out of high school and there was a time you know 
Ryan, you and I play in that delayed dynasty league where, where we pick a lot of incoming freshmen onto taxi rosters. And he was a guy I watched way back a few years ago going into Texas. And I thought, man, this could be the guy. So I was a fan at one point as well. And he certainly is that bowling ball, that, that thumper that Gruden has liked in the past. So I guess there's a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel, Matt, and maybe you have something there. Uh, maybe I'll check my league, see if he's available, and if somebody hasn't picked him up just yet. One bonus question for the Oakland Rainers. I want one word answer. What will Amari Cooper's ADP among wide receivers be in one year from today? He's currently wide receiver 12, Matt. Where is he going to be in one year? I'll say eight. Mm, so he moves up, He's Ryan? actually currently wide receiver 11. Good, good research, Dano. Um, Get your facts together, Dan. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say even higher. So he didn't move up quite as much as you thought you were moving him there, Matt. I'm gonna say wide receiver <laughs> six. Oh, I was gonna say six. I'll say seven and be right between between you guys. <laughs> I think he ma- makes a drastic jump as well. Uh, let's move on to the Denver Broncos, the last team we're going to cover in our preview. We'll start with you, Matt. What? And this is a good one for you because you're you're a Royce Freeman guy. What is the final split of carries, percentage-wise, going to be between Devontae Booker and Royce Freeman in 2018? I, I think the conversation is going to be what's the split between Royce Freeman and, and Philip Lindsay? Honestly, I think Booker has shown that he really doesn't have anything. Uh, and I think Freeman is the guy they want to be there. So I'm going to say like 70, 30, I guess if we're, we have to include Booker, he's going to get some work. Don't get me wrong. So I'll say, I'll say 70, 15 and, and uh, I guess another 15 for, for Lindsay. It's interesting that you have Philip Lindsay in there. D'Angelo Henderson is not making enough of a splash. I know, I know there's been the injuries and things like that. He's a guy I was interested in a year ago. I'm not quite as convinced that it's going to be as, as big of a drastic change as you are, Matt. I know we've seen a lot, a lot of mediocrity from Devontae Booker. Um, it seems like their usage is about similar at this point in the preseason, and maybe that'll change in week three. We'll get a little bit more of a glimpse of what their plans are potentially. Uh, but I, I really feel like that coaching staff sees these guys as a one-two punch, and it's going to be close to 50-50. Ryan, what are your thoughts? I still think um, I, I think for Freeman takes command of this backfield, maybe not quite to the degree or to the extent that that Matt mentioned, but it, it, I would think 60% maybe for Freeman and then split uh, between Booker and uh, I, don't, I don't know about Lindsay. I, I kind of like that call. Um, this is not a team that necessarily has shown that, that they're always willing to play these young players. Um, so I, I don't know if I think they, they may be a little more loyal to Booker, even though he has, has disappointed continually uh, during his time. So I, I still think he'll hold down that, that second uh, running back role, at least uh, for the first half of the season or so. But yeah, I do see Freeman taking command. Yeah, I, I really hope so because it seems like Freeman's the better ball carrier and, and the better all around back. Uh, it seems to me like, like they're going to be loyal to Booker though, and that he'll get his chances uh time and time again, even if he doesn't take advantage of them. 
each time. Let's move on to the receivers in Denver. Ryan, what do you think of Cortland Sutton and his potential to make a fantasy impact this season, at least with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders already entrenched in their role? I'm I'm really liking what I'm hearing about Sutton and and, and what I've seen in these uh, preseason games so far. So uh, I'm definitely more encouraged about him over the long term than I was maybe uh, a few months ago. But as far as this year, I, I still don't have high hopes. And that's actually more about their quarterback situation than it is about Thomas or Sanders. Uh, Case Keenum has not looked good. And I, I'm, I'm just starting to wonder if that was some Minnesota magic to turn him into a, a a real player last year and now maybe away from uh away from that coaching staff and away from that system is he going to be able to still play at a high level yeah i i have my concerns as well it feels to me like keenum is is gonna come around and that he'll be able to at least be productive in that offense get the ball to the to the main weapons but unfortunately sutton doesn't qualify as one of those guys just yet. Now, his usage in in the second week of the preseason what, did give some uh, some positive or, or some good good feelings to Sutton believers. Uh, he was he was on the field only in the first half of the game, uh, sat out the entire second half, and, and caught the touchdown, uh, which was which was a nice play on, on a slant route. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like you do, Ryan, that he has that upside, especially the long-term upside, but because of the limitations of Case Keenum, I'm not sure that he's going to be the type of quarterback that can consistently get three wide receivers involved in the game, even if Sutton does have a really nice rookie season and plays well, I'm not sure that barring injury, that's going to translate into fantasy production. Matt, your thoughts on Sutton and, and what he might be able to produce in, in his rookie season? I'm going to disagree with you guys slightly for, for two reasons. Number one, when this whole process started, I thought it was going to be uh, uh, DT and Sanders on the outside and that Deshaun Hamilton was going to be a better slot receiver than Sutton would make um, and that he might be the more productive rookie between the two receivers. Uh, but really what's been happening this preseason, I've watched both games, and it's, it's Sanders that's playing the slot role most of the time with, with Sutton on the outside across from, from Demarius Thomas. So if, if, that, if that continues to be the case heading into the regular season, then I think there is a chance there. Now, the quarterback issue is, is one for real that we need to talk about because Case Keenum has not looked good, like you guys said. But somebody who has looked pretty good as Chad Kelly you guys uh, so I'm, I'm gonna be banging that drum this season I, I, <laughs> I know you guys are rolling your eyes at me but I've been a fan of his I thought he was really the best quarterback uh, from a talent perspective in the draft last season and and he's made he's don't get me wrong he's made some boneheaded throws in this preseason too but I, I think he's already shown that he's probably a better quarterback overall than or at least has higher upside than than, than what Case Keenum does at this point so uh, I think they will continue to start Keenum but you know if they start out you know, one and four, two and six, you know, I think there's a real chance that we could see uh, what Kelly could do against the ones this year. Mm. You think John Elway is going to go down that route again with that late round quarterback, the the Trevor Simeon role once again? I have a hard time believing it myself. Let's have talk- you watched the game, Stan. Watch I've, the I've watched, I've seen uh, Case Keenum's not going to lose that job to, to Kelly or any other seventh round draft pick, in my opinion, anyway. Ryan, who wins the AFC West? I'm going with the Chargers. Matt? 
I'm going with the Chargers too, and in fact, I think they're probably going to be my Ooh. Super Bowl pick. Ooh. Wow, a little preview to what's coming here in a couple weeks when, when we do our uh, prediction show on the DLF Dynasty podcast. I think the AFC West is one of the most wide-open divisions. I could see the Chiefs, Chargers, or Raiders winning the division. And, and you know what that defense in Denver and particularly the pass rush there's the potential that if if they got things figured out offensively that they could make a run as well it's a tough decision for me and I'm leaning towards the Chargers as well but I reserve the right to change that here in a couple weeks when we do our prediction show uh AFC West MVP Ryan who you got I'm going I'm sticking with the Chargers and going with Melvin Gordon Mm, good pick Matt Wow, I did not see that coming, Ryan. I, I, I thought you've been pretty down on, on Gordon, but yeah, he was my pick too. I think uh, Keenan Allen is the easy selection there, but Melvin Gordon, I think, is still being undervalued right now, and, and I think he's going to surprise people again this year and be a top five kind of running back. It's it's a landslide. I, I took Melvin Gordon as well for all the reasons that you guys just said. Same thing with what we talked about with Todd Gurley and, and with Ezekiel Elliott and uh, David Johnson as well. He's He's going to get a lot of touches he's not coming off the field for anybody and and that's going to translate into a big season for melvin gordon so that does it for our preview of the afc and nfc west we're going to come back at you next week with our last two divisions the afc and nfc north for matt and ryan i'm dan thanks for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast we'll catch you again I just picked Sam Bradford out of a list of any players for any reason. I can't uh, either. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs>